Well, good morning. My name, I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. We like to do teachings on, we call it series. We take a topic and we talk about it for several weeks. We started last week with Family Matters, and we're going to discuss different aspects of family. And today's topic is, Who Should I Marry? So what's the big event that happened yesterday? All right. How many guys watched it? Two. How many women watched it? <laughs> Almost all of you. <laughs> okay, that's what I figured. I did not watch it. I don't think, I don't know, yeah, my wife didn't watch it either. All right, but we're going to talk about who should I marry. Now, have you ever t- taken one of those classes or seen those uh, uh, films where they have these terrible crashes and people get hurt, and if you haven't taken a driving class, they make you watch them? When you see those, what, is you, what are you thinking? You're thinking the same thing I am. What? Not going to happen to me, right? Not going to happen to me. And the same thing with any time I've done a wedding. I've never done a wedding where somebody said, this, this wedding is going to fail. <laughs> I've never done one of those, all right? But a lot of them do fail, right? Now, the statistics aren't as bad as we've been told. We've been told, you know, half people get divorced, so that's not true. Actually, 72% of the people either are with the person they first married or their, their spouses died, and so they didn't, hadn't remarried. So that's a pretty good statistic. Um, there are ways to improve your odds, so to speak, right? And there's ways of uh, not doing so good. Uh, one way, if you're married as a teenager, that, that lowers your odds. Now, my wife was 18. We got married. I wasn't. Uh, but we've been married over 41 years, so we broke the odds there. Uh, another, if you came from a divorced family, uh, your odds are worse. My wife came from a divorced family, so we, we broke the odds there. If you've been divorced, second time around, folks, I would tell you this, the odds are not as good. Um, if drugs or alcohol are involved, obviously the odds aren't very good. Um, even if you lived together before marriage, your odds are not as good. Now, what are some things you can do to improve your odds? <clears throat> One of the most important things is go to church, believe it or not. The divorce rate, we used to be told the same inside that, outside the church, that's not true. Your odds of staying together if you get married and attend church regularly are 20, anywhere from 25 to 50% less chance of getting divorced. So, yeah, absolutely. That's something to celebrate. And I know a lot of you, I've done some of your weddings. And, you, you know, I try and <laughs> seal them good when I do them. Anyway, uh, second, this is probably the second most important decision you and I make in our lifetime. Um, now, if you choose to be single and you stay single, that's fine. God honors that. In fact, Paul said that's better than getting married. But most people will marry. Uh, that's the way I think God designed us. But outside of your decision about Jesus, about being a God, Jesus follower, connecting with God or not connecting with God, the most, second most important decision you make is this about being married or not, and if you're married, who to marry. Now, there's some interesting verses in the Bible, I didn't put them up there, about the downside, the possible downsides of getting married, like, uh, you know, it's married to a, to a quarrelsome woman is like a dripping faucet, and it's better to be on a, you know, on a roof than with, with a nagging woman. There's some verses about that. Now, I, I'm sorry, ladies, it, there's no verses about the opposite, but it's also true, right? I understand that. But then there's verses about how wonderful it is when, to find that right person and uh, to spend the rest of your life with. But it's a risk, right? It's a risk. 
And so we want to help you reduce the risk. Now, a lot of us are married. I understand that. But we all have people we care about. I've got two children that aren't married. If they choose to marry again, hopefully this will help them. Grandkids are coming along. We all have friends that are probably dating. Some of you probably dating. So hopefully this is good information for you. As I've said, half American, adult Americans are, are single. That's a mind-boggling statistic to me. So um, hopefully this is good information for you. Now, I'm going to share with you, I think, is a good way to choose a mate. We're going to show you Hollywood's not-so-good way to choose a mate. Good old fate is just going to deliver my information right to your doorstep? Do you know that's the best idea you've had all night? What's the best? Here you go. Write your name and number down. For a $5 bill? Mm, just do it. You are a strange and interesting woman. <laughs> now what? Wait there. makes its way back into my hands, I'll be able to call you. And when you hear my voice on the other end, then you'll believe in fate, won't you? Hey! What about me? What do you mean? Well, we have to send something out in the universe with your name on it, don't we? Come on, isn't that the only fair thing? That is the only fair thing. What have I got, even? Oh! No, I have a really good idea. What? Okay. It's a lot of tubes. Okay, see this book? Yeah. Okay, so when I get home tonight, I'm going to write my name and my number inside this book. Yeah. And then first thing tomorrow morning, I'll sell it to a used bookstore. Which one? You're not going to tell me. You're not going to tell me. Why not? Well, now every time you go past an old bookstore, you're going to have to go inside and see if it's there. All right. That's one option, right? My grandson, Lucas, said he wants to see that movie. But anyway, that's serendipity. Um, I don't recommend that. I can't imagine the odds of her getting that $5 bill back. <laughs> but... Uh, as you can guess, he searches all the bookstores book on the next day. So here's where we're going this morning. Don't leave it to fate when choosing a mate. Here's a better way. So I, another way we can say that is how do I know if this is the right one? And those of us that are married at one time, always we ask ourselves that question, right? <clears throat> so I'm going to give you a couple categories of things to consider and figure out as you're in that process. The first is this. Character compatibility. Character compatibility. Do you respect each other? Uh, see, feelings come and go. They just do. But do you really respect each other? So how do you know? Well, let me give you a couple categories of character to evaluate. First is this. What is the level of honesty? Person you're considering marrying or dating and the person doesn't fit these categories, I would suggest you not continue dating. Uh, what's the level of honesty? But I mentioned Samson and who? Delilah. What kind of honesty would you have in that relationship? <laughs> Horrible, right? Not very good. And there's other, obviously, examples, bad examples. Um, what character quality in another person are you least likely to tolerate? I mean, none of us are perfect. We all have flaws, right? But what character quality would you least likely to, to tolerate? And I think for most of us, honesty would be a big one. The reason why is relationships are built on trust. And if you aren't honest, you aren't 
trustworthy are you? Now, I know when we start dating, we try and hide our <laughs> character flaws. That's just natural. Both, if, both parties are doing that. But eventually, you have to be completely honest if the relationship is going to have uh, a sound foundation. So that part of character. Another part of character is what is the level of responsibility? Now, we just spent four weeks talking about responsibility, how important it was. Why do you actually like this person? A um, couple areas. For example, are they vocationally responsible? Do they actually have a job? Do they keep a job? Are they jumping around from job to job? Don't know what they're going to do in the future. Are they vocationally responsible? A biggie, obviously. Are they relationally responsible? Are they just jump from relationship to relationship? Or do they have uh, sustained relationships and have stable relationships? Not just dating relationships, but with, with, with friends and with parents and other people. And then finances, obviously, is a biggie. The, the major, the first, uh, the highest cause of divorce is money-related. So are they financially responsible? Or do they just, you know, spend every money there or go into debt? I'm amazed that the couples, sometimes they marry with the debt from both parties. It's huge sometimes. And I, I know what we do. We say, I love them, and, you know, uh, love will conquer. And uh, ladies, I think you more than us guys will say, well, I'll fix them, right? Uh, well, it doesn't work that way, does it? If their character is to be irresponsible, if their character is not to be honest, just because you love them or they love you, it's not going to fix character uh, flaws. So are your, are, is your characters uh, compatible? Um, again, don't leave it to fate when choosing a mate. Just because you found that $5 bill, <laughs> if their character isn't compatible with yours, it's a, a red flag. Another area, big area, of course, is communication. Compun- communication compatibility. Uh, key to relationships, communication. You got to talk, right? And some ladies will say, well, he's the strong, silent type, which is fine when they're dating, and then they get married after a while, and they come and they complain and say, what are they complaining? Well, he won't talk to me. Well, well, he wasn't talking to you when you were dating. Why did you expect things to change? Now, that old book, you know, men are from Mars or women are and Venus and all things. We know men and women are different, right? I shared this. It's an old joke, but I'll share it. I share it in the first service. <clears throat> it's one of my favorite. Guy's walking on the beach in California, finds this lamp, he picks it up and rubs it, and his genie pops out. So thank you for releasing me from the, from the, the lamp I'll grant you one wish. And he said, well, let me think. I live in California. I'd like to visit Hawaii, but I hate to fly. Can you build me a bridge from California to Hawaii? And Jeannie thinks about it. He said, That's, that, that'd, be, that'd be really hard. I mean, the, the ocean's deep, and it's a long way, thousands of miles. Could you ask for something else? Got another wish. And he thought for a second. He said, I would like to understand women. Jeannie thought about it a second. He said, how many, how many lanes do you want to that bridge? <laughs> Men and women are different, right? And we're hard to understand each other. But the key to it is communication, honest communication. Now, we were missionaries in Portugal, and there's two kinds of people in another country or even in our country. They're tourists, and you don't expect a tourist to learn the language. And, and so people just put up with it, and they accept it, right? But we were living there. We were going to be missionaries there. We are going to pastoring churches there. And so 
we were trying to learn the language and the people are really helpful when you know that you're not a tourist but you're a settler, that you really want to learn, that you really want to communicate. And same thing in, in dating relationships, in marriage relationships. There should be a, a, a strong desire to communicate, to understand the other, be able to express my feelings and them to understand and, ex- and express their feelings. And the experts tell us <clears throat> one of the major things that raising healthy kids, and I know lots of you have children, is if parents that have good communication skills, because that can be taught, and they can learn from you how to communicate. So again, in this area, don't leave it to fate when you choose a mate. Make sure you have communication compatibility. Third area, and I'm not going to talk about this one too much, because this is the way most of us get attached to each other, and that's physical compatibility. I never met anybody that came to me, I want to marry this ugliest girl I can find. I just haven't heard that yet. Maybe one day I will, but I haven't heard it yet. All right, so we are attracted to people physically. We're attracted to their personality. That's natural. That's good. That's healthy. (laughs) There's this interesting story in the scriptures, and we'll just read this one verse about Jacob when he finally meets the woman that's going to, well, he winds up with more than one wife. That's another story, but uh, the, the love of his life. When Jacob saw Rachel, he went over and kissed Rachel. Now, this was a a greeting kiss. It wasn't a passionate kiss. And he began to weep out loud. Now, that guy must have had it bad. That was love at first sight, I guess, to be crying at the fact that he met the right person that he was going to be connected with. But just on the other side of this, we need to love the whole person. It's not just physical and it's not, you know, personality. And besides, we get old and we don't look as good as we did when we were younger, all right? Uh, something interesting happens, though. As you get older, uh, you, you, you tend to love each other more, uh, maybe despite the wrinkles and the age, I, I don't know, the, uh, just doing life together. So don't leave, obviously, to fate when choosing a mate when it's uh, phys- make phys- physically compatible. Now, <clears throat> some of you aren't Jesus followers, this next part might be a little disturbing to you or a little upsetting. I'll, I'll try and make it, explain it the best I can. But this is, if you're a Jesus follower, this is huge. Even if you're not, this should be huge for you. And that's spiritual compatibility. And it obviously narrows the field, right? Because not everybody is spiritually compatible. And I'm not just, we're going to talk mostly about believers and people that aren't Jesus, or believers or Jesus followers. But even in the realm of, of, uh, of Jesus followers, there's, there's a possibility of not being compatible. If somebody's been a Christian for two weeks and you've been a, a Jesus follower for 20 years, you're probably not spiritually compatible. And uh, I counsel people before I marry them and I've had to tell people no because I made the decision that I didn't find they were spiritually compatible. Every time I've done this, they got mad at me. I, I can't help that. I have to be uh, true to what I believe. So when I, um, thank you, when I um, interview a couple or even somebody's dating, and my first question, and you can ask my kids, the first question when they start dating anybody, what we asked you is what? Are they Jesus followers? Are they believers? I don't care if they're wealthy, even though I told them it's easy, easy to fall in love with a rich man as a poor man, but anyway, I had told them that, uh, but uh, I don't, you know, how beautiful or handsome they are, you know, how hardworking they are, you know, they have a fantastic personality. If they say to me, are they a believer and they say, I think so, or kind of, that just doesn't work, all right? This is, this, this is too important. Now, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, and it's going to be a little disturbing, and I'm going to try to explain 
the best I can what, uh, what I think. Paul, and he's writing to, to Jesus, a, a church, to Jesus followers. He says, you're not the same as those who do not believe. Now, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? Jesus followers and people that aren't are different. So he says, don't join yourselves to them. Now, this is not in the context of marriage. So it replies that, you know, business relationships, I don't think your best friend, if you're a Jesus follower, should be somebody that's not a Jesus follower, uh, whatever it might be. All right. and, he, and he tries to make the contrast. He says, good and bad do not belong together. Not that you're a, a bad person, just because you're not a Jesus follower, uh, but it'll be a bad connection. Light and darkness cannot share together. That's kind of an easy analogy to, to understand. Can Christ and the devil have any agreement? Not that you're a devil follower, but if you're not a Christ follower, you're, you're following something else or someone else. And what can a believer have together with a non-believer? All right, on the fundamental basic level, you're like oil and water, right? You just can't mix. So he says, temple of God cannot have agreement with idols. So if you're a Jesus follower, you become, as the rest of it says, we are temple of the living God. God dwells in us. If you're not a Jesus follower, God does not dwell in you. Now, you might not even believe in a God, but that's what we believe. And so God's dwelling in me and God's not dwelling in you. You have the best way I can describe it is divided loyalties. Now, this is kind of silly, but you know, you know, it's like a Steeler fan marrying a Ravens fan. You know, you got divided loyalties. Or a Democrat and Republican, you have divided loyalties. Or even worse, you know, I don't, you know World War II was the Nazis and, and, and uh, the Allies or the United States. You know, a Nazi marrying a, a, an American. They're just divided loyalties. It's just asking for trouble. Not a good thing to do. So I'm going to break this down into four areas to try and explain a little bit better. So spiritual compatibility is to ensure a common treasure. Now it's nice when your spouse or person you're dating has common interests, right? For example, my wife and I like to eat healthy. We both like to exercise. She doesn't like to run, and I do, so we don't run together. But, you know, it's nice to have things in common. She likes to shop, and I don't, so she usually shops by herself, but whatever. Now, I know some of you around here like hunting, and I stand around sometimes and watch, listen to you hunting, or some of you like fishing. I don't do either one of those things. I'm just being polite because I don't really care. I just don't. They're just not interest of mine, all right? But now my wife and I, you know, the fundamental interest we have is this common treasure that's Jesus. It's kind of funny last night. We got in bed last night, and my wife asked me that question. What are you thinking about? All right, that's kind of a dangerous question, right? Well, we've been married a long time, and I'm going to give you an honest answer, and I said I was talking, thinking about church. And she said, and I'm laying right next to you, so that wasn't a good answer, right? I should have been thinking about her. <laughs> but that was the truth, and then she, she admitted, you know, that's our life. That's, you know, that's what we talk about. That's what we think about. We're on vacation. That's what we're thinking about. So, you know, we want to have a, a treasure that you can share. Now, let me just ask you a simple question. Do you think that's unreasonable? I don't think that's unreasonable. In fact, I think that's very wise, a common treasure. Secondly, to ensure a common future. Think about it this way. Uh, you and your future spouse, uh, an uh, a builder says, I want you to go to architects and, and have them design your dream house. So you go to one architect, she goes to another architect, they design their dream house, and you give the, the builder these plans. And what can the builder do with them? It would be a mess if he tried, right? Because that blueprint and that blueprint are going to be different. And so when you enter marriage, you both have different sets of blueprints or different plan, right? 
for what the future is going to be. So what do you do when you have disagreements? What's your foundation for that? Uh, how do you figure out uh, which blueprint, what plan? As a Jesus follower, you put your plan aside and she puts her plan aside and it becomes Jesus' plan, right? I shared in his first service, most of you know this. My wife, when she was, just before we got started dating, she had been in Louisiana and saw a cousin who'd marry a pastor and she said, I'm never going to marry a pastor. <laughs> within, uh, let's see, that would have been... July, August, September, October, November. If within four months she was married to a pastor. <laughs> okay? But she put her plans aside and took up God's plans to ensure a common future. Is that unreasonable? I don't think so. I think that's wise. Uh, spiritual compatibility, to ensure a common power. This is huge. This is big. When you have issues, when you have problems, when you have difficulties in life, whether it's financial issues, health issues, you know, relationship issues, you know, death in the family, grieving pro going through the grieving process, <clears throat> where do you go for help? Where do you go for strength? Where do you go to get the power to get through that? Well, as a Jesus follower, we go to Jesus, right? If the person's not a Jesus follower, I don't know where to go. I've been a Jesus follower since I was 14, so I don't remember. Some of you became Jesus followers in adult life. Uh, tell you about my mom. Uh, she didn't become a Jesus follower till I was till I was 14. So uh, I had an older son, uh, brother, five years older than me. I, I'm the oldest because we don't normally count him because he died a crib death. Now, how do you go through a, grieving a crib death of your first child without Jesus? I don't know. She got through it. I don't know how people do that. But what is your power source? Where do you turn? Hopefully, it's not to alcohol or drugs or something like that when you come across the problem. So is it unreasonable that we should have a common power? I don't think so. I think it's wise. And then, fourthly, to ensure common values. And I, the way, area I see this the biggest is raising kids. If it's, if it's a believer or a Jesus follower and somebody that's not, how do you do that? How do you raise your kids? What values do you teach them? Uh, do, do, they go, do they go to church? Do you read the Bible and pray with them at home? How do you make those decisions? I, I don't know. Uh, same thing with finances. How do you choose how to spend and use your finances? One of you is Jesus following, one of you isn't. Do you give money to the church and Christian ministries or do you, don't you? I mean, just the, the incompatibility is, would be so huge. Now, I know there's exceptions. I know there's Jesus followers married to people that aren't, that have happy marriages. But the odds are stacked against you it's just it just is is it unreasonable i think it's wise to ensure common values i think the biggest or most graphic illustration i've ever heard about how to find a spouse is this one it comes from tommy nelson he said run as hard and as fast after jesus as you can and then look to your left or right and see who's running beside you and that's the ideal choice of a mate absolutely So don't leave it to fate, again, when choosing a mate. Now, we've got one other big area to talk about when we'll be finished. And in our society especially, people are so impatient. But you've got to give the relationship enough time. And I'm just going to pick two categories. First, time for true attraction. How do you tell? 
I mean, you can just see somebody or, you know, watch somebody and their interaction. When I first met my wife, her just her bubbling personality is just attractive. It's appealing, right? Well, she was cute too. But, uh, uh, time for true attraction, not what we call infatuation. So this person came up with these nine tests, and we'll just go through it real quickly. Nine tests for love or true attraction. First is a share test. Initially, those relationships are all about you. Does this person make me happy? Does this person funny? Does this person, you know, turn me on? Whatever it might be. It's all about uh, me. It's a selfish thing. So can it be something that's not selfish? Strength test. Does this relationship bring energy to a relationship? I, um, only I started dating when I was 20. I didn't date much, but I only had one serious girlfriend before my wife. And we used to argue a lot. We used to fight a lot. And so when we would separate, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't upbeat. I wasn't energized because uh, we had been fighting and, and bickering. So this relationship energize you. Uh, respect test. This is huge. Are you proud of that other person? And sometimes I see, you know, men or women making fun of the other one because, you know, whatever it might be, education level or where they talk or uh, something else. Is there a sense of pride in that other person? Uh, the habit test is the, basically acceptance. Do you accept that person? Words and all, as we say. They, everybody has shortcomings. Do you accept that person uh, for who they are and not try to change them? Because we're talking about the time test and we're talking about absence makes the heart grow fonder. Is that, is that true? As you're separated, does the desire increase? Uh, that's a, excuse me, that's a separation test. Uh, the time test. Uh, someone has put it this way. Have you summered and wintered together? And that means literally, you know, the four seasons, but also relationally. Have you gone through the, you know, the good times as well as the bad times? Have you weathered those in your relationship before you've I've gotten married. Uh, the giving test, are you willing to sacrifice for the other person? Uh, the growth test, are you continuing to mature, both together and apart? And then, of course, the patience test. Are you willing to put off the sexual part? And that's a biggie, or not a biggie in our society. That people don't think that's important. That Jacob we talked about earlier, uh, interesting. Read the story. He goes to, to Rachel's mom. Uh, dad, I mean, excuse me, and says, I'll work seven years for the privilege of marrying her. And, of course, the dad accepts it. And if you read the story, it's fascinating. He said it, it was like no time at all. It pa- seven years passed quickly. Now, the story gets complicated after that, and he winds up marrying your sister and all that kind of stuff. But you should read the Bible. It's interesting stuff in there, okay? <laughs> so the question is, how long? And the experts tell you, tell you at least six months. You can hide parts of yourself for six months. So most of the time they say a year. A year is just a good figure to throw out there. Uh, a year is a good, a good time. So time for true attraction. The other thing is enough time for true affirmation. In a way, I like to think about this. Are your parents and your best friends in favor of this? And I know some of us have dated and maybe even married people that our parents or best friends didn't approve of. But who cares about you more than them? And who wants what's best for you? And isn't it possible they might be seeing things that you are 
blinded to. So make sure you have the affirmation or confirmation of the people that care most about you. So again, don't leave it to fate. This is the second most important decision in your life when you're choosing a mate. So, just cap, recap real quickly. Are you, are you, is your character compatible? Are you both honest people? Are you both responsible people? Is your communication compatible? Does the other person share openly about themselves and you listen and do share openly about yourself and the other person listen? That's huge. Again, uh, physical compatibility, you guys can figure that out on your own. Spiritual compatibility. This is so, so important. Again, it, and not just believer, uh, unbeliever, but level of spirituality. You know, a new believer shouldn't marry a, a mature believer. It just, it just shouldn't. Give it some time. That person can mature, and then that relationship. So that's the last question. Have you given it enough time? Why not wait a little longer to make sure of what you're doing? So, hopefully that information has been helpful, uh, encouraging, even if you've been married a while like myself. Uh, I, I need to evaluate that relationship, and there's stuff I can continue to contribute to that. Um, we'll talk about another topic about family next week. Hopefully you can join us. I'll pray with you all, and then we'll have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you for what your word has to teach us about relationships, marriage and otherwise, that uh, uh, joining together a believer and unbeliever is, 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 in, on the deep level, it's, it's just, it does, it's not good, it's not helpful, it's, it's not what's best. And we know what you, you want, what's best for us, God. And so I pray for the folks here, the married people, that, that their relationship will grow. I, the single people, if they decide to, to seek out a mate, that, that God, they would use these guidelines, take them seriously. And uh, it's a joy to find that right person uh, to spend your life with. You, you say that in, in your word. And God, we pray for anybody that's not a Jesus follower, uh, that they would step across that line. Most important decision you make in life. You are empowered by God. You're reconnected with God. You have that power source. And you have a special connection with all believers. And, uh, and hopefully one day uh, you found that, find that, that life mate. God, we thank you for your presence here. Continue to speak as we close out this service. In Jesus' name, amen.